and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. So this morning, I'm very excited to share a message. And if you have uh, your Bibles, I'd love you to turn with me to an incredible portion of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And as we consider uh, today and the importance of today, and as we bring our offering to God uh, today, I really want us to look at what the Scriptures talk about in this area of giving and how we can be encouraged the same way the people of Corinth were from the Apostle Paul. So... um, at, at our church, we have a conviction that we don't place pressure on people, but we place pressure on the Word of God. And if He, in His Word, teaches us and leads us, then He who is faithful to do that is the one that we look to. And so today what we're doing is we're leaning into the Word and we're going to seek God and hear what He has to say. Does that sound all right? Fantastic. Well, join me uh, at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We'll start at verse 1. And this is what it says. It says, And now, brothers and sisters... We want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Amazing is that last part. It says, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we have kindled in you. Does that sound like Horizon Church or what? You know know what I'm talking about? You guys and all of us as Horizon Church, we excel in this, in so many ways, in this, this expression of God's goodness. It says, see also that you excel in this grace of giving. And so the title of my message this morning is The Grace of of giving. So let's pray. Lord, I just want to thank you so much that you guide us and instruct us through your scriptures so that we can understand what it is that you are calling us to, what faith looks like. And so I pray, Jesus, that today, Lord, it would be your Holy Spirit that stirs us, prompts us, and encourages us as we give. And so we just commit today's message to you, ask you to move, God, through the hearts of your people and do a powerful, transforming work as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as we read here, we actually read that the giving is a grace. It's an interesting uh, word that, that we are looking at here. And you know what's amazing? In just these two chapters alone, Paul actually uses this word grace. Uh, he uses it 10 times in relation to this offering. Wow. It's almost like Paul's trying to make a point, <laughs> And he is, right? He's trying to help the Corinthian church understand that there is more to giving than just taking up a collection, seeing what you can chip in. There is actually a God component to giving that you actually need to tap into if we are to fulfill what God has called us to fulfill. And it's interesting because this word grace, um, at the time, it it was sort of used to um, explain things that are 
beyond explanation. They're, they're too beautiful for words. It literally means all things beautiful and charming. <laughs> How beautiful is that? But this word grace, it was basically like by, the, by Paul and the early apostles, it was, it was adopted by them to really uh, become synonymous with that which God was doing. It was almost like, how do we explain the goodness of God? How do we explain everything that Jesus did for us? How can we explain His ministry and what it means to walk in the freedom and the life that Jesus brings? It's just beautiful. It's just, it's just it's charming. It's just amazing. It's just all, they couldn't put words when they said, it is grace. It is grace. All the good things that God does, His grace, His kindness, His goodness, His joy, His love. It's just overflows in this word. And so it basically got commandeered by the apostles and it was used to explain the God part, to explain what God did on our behalf. It is the kindness of God towards man. It is God's favour. That's what grace is. It's, and it's the absolute foundation of our faith. And the reason why it became such an important word in our faith is because everything that we do is a response to the grace of God. That it is His goodness that compels us to live lives of submission and live lives of love and live lives where we serve others and take what we have and, and invest it into the purposes of God and to, to show people what it is to, to be uh, on fire for Him. And so grace uh, is, is the work of God apart from the work of man. Um, another way to explain grace is that it is the undeserved, unmerited, unearned favour of God. And you might have heard it used in different ways. We say, oh, that person is graced to worship lead. You know, that, that person is graced to care for the sick. Um, you know, we use it to sort of say that person has a God gift in this area. They're actually like, there's something on them that is beyond their human ability. They, they have a grace. They have the God part. It's the, it's the, it's the God anointing element to this uh, gift that they have. Um, so when, when Paul teaches us uh, that there is a grace of giving, <laughs> it's interesting, right? Because he teaches us there's a grace of giving. And then he says that as believers, we should excel in the grace of giving. Now, the question we have to ask is, if grace is the God part, how can a person then excel in the God part of giving? How can we excel in that God element to our generosity? Well, we have the Macedonians as our example, and we're going to land there and talk a little bit about them. Um, but it's helpful sometimes to look through Scripture and start to see examples of people who excelled in generosity so we can see what it is, what that looks like. <laughs> In Matthew chapter 26, if you want to turn there. <laughs> In Matthew chapter 26, there's this amazing story of this woman with this very expensive jar of perfume. And so we look at this woman who makes an offering to Jesus and we think, all right, this is a person who we can see was honoured by Jesus for what she did. She excelled in the grace of giving. So let's have a look at her story. Maybe if we look at her story, we'll understand what excelling in the grace of giving looks like. So join me in verse 6 of Matthew 26. It says, while Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. Then when the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached 
throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This is a lady who excelled in this grace of giving. It was, it was abundant. It was extravagant. It was a pouring out of everything that she had to honour and worship her Lord Jesus. And, he, and she was honoured for it. And so if you read this in isolation, you'd be like, oh, I know what it means to excel in the grace of giving. To excel in the grace of giving is to bring a large gift that is shocking to anyone who sees it because it is so significant. That must be what it means to excel in the grace of giving. But then we turn to another story, the story of the widow and her two copper coins. We pick this up in Luke 21. And verse 1 says, As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. This lady's generosity got God's attention. This lady's generosity was so... She excelled in the gift of giving. She excelled in the grace of giving. This was a woman who, when Jesus saw what she gave, honoured her. And we see it recorded in Scripture. So we have a picture of somebody who brings this extreme gift and God honours that. But then we have somebody here bringing two copper coins that really wouldn't have made a big dent in the needs of the temple at the time or in the purposes that the offerings were used for. But Jesus honoured her. And so we can see this. We say, well, maybe it's not just about that extravagant side of things. In fact, if you looked at this in isolation, you would think, well, maybe it's about living a life of poverty to never have anything and to actually be willing to give no matter what you have. So we sort of can see here some different circumstances coming coming to be. But if that's truly what it is to excel in the grace of giving is to never have any wealth, well, then what happens when it comes to the story of a guy called Joseph of Arimathea? Why don't you turn now to Matthew chapter 27 and verse 57 says this. It says, it's after Jesus' death. It says, As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and he went away. Now here is a man who is rich, as the Bible literally uses that word, very, very wealthy. Not only that, but he is politically connected. I mean, Pilate was the governor, the Roman governor of the region, and he literally walks up to Pilate. He had access. He walked these corridors of power and he went there. And not only did he have access, but he actually had authority. He made a request and Pilate granted it and then ordered other people to follow this man's direction. We see a person here who is very wealthy, uh, probably well known throughout that environment. But here we see somebody else who also excels in the grace of giving. So what we have is, if it's not the amount, because we're seeing in all of these stories different amounts, And it's not the circumstances because we see in every single one of these circumstances different situations. Then what is it that determines if you excel in the grace of giving? Well, what these biblical examples of those who excel in the grace of giving helps us to see is that in each story, even though the amounts and the circumstances that they are in when they give are different, we see 
people whose hearts are fully surrendered to God. What we see in this woman who brings this jar of perfume is her saying, Jesus, I honestly trust you and look to you are my everything. And she lays down potentially her well-being and her future into the hands of Jesus as an act of worship. This widow with two copper coins, you know, like Pastor Brad has been teaching so beautifully about the widow at Zerah, she takes what she has and she says, I don't know how to care for myself, but I know that you love me and care for me. You are my provider. And so I bring what I have, an absolute surrender. And then we have a man, Joseph of Arimathea, at a time, might I add, that no one wanted to be associated with Jesus this is before his resurrection at a time when no one wanted to be people were scattering his disciples were running a man of great reputation goes in front of the public and says I am not only going to be associated with this man but I will take what is mine and I will use it to worship and honour him and he had literally a tomb cut out of a stone they didn't have like demo saws back in the day people he would have had to pay people to chip out this tomb he used what he had and do you know what we sometimes think, you know, that we, we uh, need to be like the widow or we need to be like this person, that person. But in this situation, it's a person who had much but was still willing to lay it down because they were completely surrendered to Jesus. You know, these offerings and that we, we read about and the offering that we're taking today, it's actually much less about money and much more about our heart. You know, the truth is God doesn't really need uh, our money. He can, he can get coins from a fish's mouth. Another story in the Bible shows us. So it's not really about taking up a collection just to get stuff done. It's actually about us as the people of God partnering with God in His purposes. We only excel in the grace of giving when it is a response to the giving of grace. What God is actually looking for is your heart. He's looking for your heart. You know, today in our scripture, our example is the Macedonians. How did the Macedonians excel in the grace of giving? Well, what was their motivation? You know, sometimes you look at somebody and you think, well, what is it that made them want to give? Well, it wasn't Paul's motivational encouragement. <laughs> you know, this is what it says in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 4. It says, they, the Macedonians, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Do you know our team across all our campuses throughout the month of June and today have been encouraging people to rise in faith and be generous. But it is not the motivation of a person that ultimately drives the believer to generosity. It is actually the work of God in each and every heart that compels us to be people who align with His character and are generous. Um, the key to the Mas Macedonians excelling in the grace of giving, we actually find it in verse 5. Do you want to know what it is? In verse 5, it really clearly outlines that it. it says this. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 5, it says, They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. And then, and only then, by the will of God, also to us. Do you know when I read this scripture, excuse me. You know when I read this scripture, I, I feel like I see Horizon Church. <laughs> this is a picture of the heart and the people of Horizon, a people who are first given to God, who love Jesus with all their heart, who serve Him and use their lives as an offering to Him. And, and that, that picture that we see of people's generosity towards Jesus naturally then overflows by God's will in all these acts of goodness and kindness that He has called us to. 
This vision offering, it's not about um, convincing someone to give to a need. It is actually about each of us as the people of God giving ourselves, first of all, to the Lord. And then from there, by His will, stepping into that grace zone of giving, the God element to our giving. Do you know God has something for each of us to do? Whether we find ourselves like the woman who has... Um, something she can bring or like the widow who did not have much or like the man who is very wealthy and has a lot. Each of us have something that God is calling us to do. Only by giving ourselves first of all to Him do we discover what that is. This is what it means to be Spirit-led. Now you would know that phrase from our core values as a church. You know, we are Christ-centred, Word-based, Spirit-led. What it means to be Spirit-led are to be people who are working in partnership with the Holy Spirit, who give ourselves first of all to Him and then allow Him to speak, to lead, to encourage, to direct. And then from that leading of His, we outwork the will of God in our life. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know, none of the examples we looked at were equal in size, but they were equal in faith. They all required faith. And the challenge with faith (laughs) is that it's always a stretch. You know, faith um, takes us out of our own capacity, takes us out of that place that we can do in our own, um, you know, strength. And it brings us into a place where we actually put ourselves in the hands of God. And this, to be honest, is probably... Uh, the, the point of difference between grace giving and, and, and Christian giving and philanthropy. Um, people who have great wealth. I want to do great things with my wealth. What can I do with my wealth? I'm going to redirect that wealth into the things that I see uh, I can do with that. And there is still that reliance on yourself and your own resources to achieve those outcomes. The, the generosity of the Christian is actually an act of faith where we actually say, you know what, it is not just about what I can do, but God, what it is you're calling me to do. And the Macedonians example this in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 3, it says, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. That, that just doesn't really make sense. We'll enter faith. Does that make sense? The call of God pulls us into a place uh, where He is asking us to trust Him. And what does faith do? Faith, it releases the grace of God. In 2 Corinthians 2 verse 8, it says, For it is by grace that we have been saved. Do you know, no, no human work, no effort can make us right with God, can do the work that only God can do. It is by grace. But it says it is by grace through faith that we have been saved. And what faith is, faith is us putting ourselves in God's hands and saying, God, I choose you and I choose to do what it is that you are calling me to. Once faith gets involved, this is where we see the miracles of grace. And the God part, the grace of giving is accessed by faith. You know, we just read about the widow uh, who gave two mites. She was somebody who excelled in grace. We read about the woman with the alabaster jar of perfume who gave that to Jesus and shocked everyone with its extreme nature. She excelled in grace. We read about Joseph of Arimathea, a man who was wealthy and well-connected, who laid down his reputation to honour his God. His money was not his God. His reputation was not his God. He, he worshipped Jesus. He excelled in the grace of giving. The Macedonians, they excelled because even in the midst of their trial and their extreme poverty and their great joy, it welled up in rich generosity. They excelled in the grace of giving. And Horizon Church, you know, I honestly believe that today, but not just today, 
as we look back through the history of our church, we are a church who excels in the grace of giving. We are a church who excels in the grace of giving. I might get the band to come up if that's okay. And um, in a few moments, I'm going to invite uh, Deb, one of our incredible pastors, just to go through the practicals um, to help us understand how important that is. And it is significant. Um, But before she comes, you know, I was thinking about this beautiful church that about um, just over 20 years ago, my family and I walked into. And I was a teenager and I was 13, my, my parents were, um, you know, my mum was really on a, on a spiritual journey. She's trying to figure out what she believes about God. The rest of us were sort of just along for the ride. You know, when mum's like searching for God, we're all searching for God. Um, but to be honest, none of us had that deep desire that my mum did. And I remember walking into this place, it looked a bit different to, it, to what it did now. Um, but I remember walking in here and encountering Jesus for myself. You know, we heard from Con just earlier sharing his testimony of how he encountered Jesus in this place. Think about how many people have come to faith in this, in this facility. Like, let alone what God is doing now as our church has expanded into other places like St. Andrews and Dunsborough. This very location, do you know, if you're new to our church, let me give you a little bit of a history lesson here. Our church is 73 years old. It was founded by uh, a gentleman and his family by the name of Norm Armstrong. And when they first started this church, it actually wasn't on this location. It was across, I actually think I might have a photo of it. It was across the tracks at a place called the Sutherland School of Arts Hall. (laughs) And this is where the first Horizon Church service was held. And it was a small group of people, Norm Armstrong, his family, and a few friends, I think less than a dozen people in that first service. And they had hired that hall. And the person said, how many seats do you need? Do you reckon 200 will be enough? And they said, I think so, for week one. And I think a dozen of them came and had a great moment worshipping God together. And that was the beginning of Horizon Church. And when you think about it, people came, encountered God. People started to gather. The church started to grow until it got to a point where the church was at a place where they said, we together can actually you know, come and in faith, bring an offering that can see us secure a site where we can build a church that will be ours. And so then they bought 7 Stapleton Avenue. And uh, that amazing small group of faith-filled believers came together, pulled their resources and bought this plot of land. And I have this picture, I think, of them surveying the land. How about that, hey? Looks a little bit different to, uh, to what it looks like now out there. But this is 7 Stapleton Avenue as there's like a you know, a a vacant lot. And so they now have some land. They excelled in the grace of giving. They said, God, use us. I know that you've given me something to bring and I'm bringing it with faith. And they did and they bought this block of land. And then they're like, we're going to build. Now, nowadays, insurance would encourage you to get other people who have licences to build buildings. Back in the day, you did it yourself. So what did they do? They started receiving offerings to buy building um, supplies. They literally bought bricks, literally bought timber. They literally bought tools. And they all got together. And we might go through a couple of these other photos here. And they started to physically build. These are some of the generals, the heroes of our own church. Uh, These are family members of ours who put the work in. Um, This is a group of people on one. See, you can see the building half built there, physically laying bricks um, you know, providing for the workers, you know, for, for doing the work of literally making this building a possibility until they built what was that first expression of Horizon Church on 7th Staple Avenue. I think I have a photo of it here. Amazing. 
physically built by the people of Horizon. People who knew that God wanted what, what Norman had called a spirit expression in the Shire, a place where people could encounter God. Can you think right now, over 73 years, how many people have been touched by God, have come to faith? How many people have been transformed, set free from addiction? How many people have found hope and a direction and a purpose in life? How many people have found partners and spouses? And how many people have grown up and lived out purpose in, in their singleness? And how many people have gone on to raise children? How many people have done so many things? How many altar call moments? <laughs> I don't know whether you've been here a week or you've been here five years, 10 years or whatnot, but even just in the time that I've been here, I just think about the moments I've had kneeling on this altar and just like encountering God the moments where God spoke to me so clearly about my future and my destiny, about the, the um, relationship that Milani and I found here as we served in our youth ministry. Come on, youth leaders. I'm telling you, think about the miracles that have taken place. Would you know, not a single person that is in this building right now built this building from the beginning. <laughs> we are all recipients of the faith of another. We are all recipients of people who excelled in the grace of giving and they took what they had and they invested it for the future generations. And I suppose like as we come to this point now in the month of June and in our vision offering of actually bringing before God what it is He's laid on our heart. Because I know, I know so many of you and I've heard the testimonies and I've talked to so many of you who have actually sought God already and you have first given yourself to the Lord. And then as He's led you by His will, you have given yourself to what He has called us to in this moment. You're coming today with faith. You're coming today with faith and you are ready. For some of you, today is the day where you are feeling faith stirred up. And I don't know what you've received from Horizon Church, even if it's your first time. You know, the welcome, there's no door charge here. There never ever will be. You are always welcome. Our community is always welcome. There's no expectation to give. But when you receive, the natural overflow is to be, well, I was so blessed. God, what is it that I could do to be a part of a, a blessing to the next generation? To see my kids who are now four and one begin to just raise up and, you know, we need to also pray. We need to pray for our youth camp that is happening in just a couple of weeks' time because it's been years because of COVID since we've had a youth camp. But I remember the youth camps where God spoke to me about my purpose, where God spoke to me about my value, where God set me free from things that were holding me back. And I know that in just a couple of weeks, we're going to have teenagers having encounters with God and their eyes will be lifted from the brokenness and the troubles and the difficulties that they face to Him and they will have hope restored. Can you see how important it is that as a church we have strength and we have strong kids ministries and youth ministries and my girls right now they're just loving kids ministry they're being so blessed but one day they'll be teenagers and you know what I'm giving because I want to make sure that we have spaces and places where our young people can meet that is safe that in St Andrews which has just gone through an absolute revival in that youth space they literally had 15 teenagers baptised about a month ago because their youth ministry has absolutely exploded from people from that community. We need to make sure that that space is, is strong and we can have young people there and in Dunsborough. You know, wherever we find ourselves as Horizon, we want to be strong. But the way that we do that is by the people of Horizon saying, first of all, Lord, I give myself to You and I love You and I thank You and now I am ready for You to lead me, guide me, direct me into what it is You would have me do so that I can be a part of the bigger picture. And so today I just want to encourage you as you give, let's give with faith that our seed will be sown and that a generation to come are the ones who are going to receive it. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, 
please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.